Great. So welcome, everybody, to the Great Reset Salon podcast. And tonight's theme is privacy, surveillance, and health tracking. Wanted to give a little bit of context about these conversations that we've been having. For the last six months, Julie Albright, who's a digital sociologist, uh, Brian Hayashi, who's an entrepreneur and technologist and kind of all around uh, renaissance guy, uh, we have been inviting some of the smartest people we know and the most insightful people that we know to, to share their thoughts on themes that are related to this extraordinary period that we're all undergoing. We wanted to make sense of the dislocations and the opportunities uh, and provide ideas and inspiration for those around us to open the doors of the, the discussions really that, that we've been having in private. And the purpose of this podcast is to open up more broadly the nature of our conversations. And the objective is that we are looking to provide insights, ideas, and inspiration for those that are interested in advancing positive leadership, because there's nothing that's more important at a time of dislocation and crisis than having inspiring leaders. And we want to amplify these messages. So we have a special guest this week, Francesco Carucci, who is a software engineer in Silicon Valley with decades of experience in kind of all manners of software. I was, we were joking, we were chatting before and I was saying yeah, he's forgotten more than I ever knew about software. And we're gonna explore the theme of privacy, surveillance, and health tracking tonight, because the trick or the way to get out of the, you know, the current challenges of the pandemic now are that really that you know, we need to be able to track who's, who's positive, how are they recovering, you know, how do we balance all of the different demands of personal privacy, and how do we keep the government at bay? but also provide enough information so that if there is an outbreak, we can track down people and, and, and really help nip an outbreak in the bud and allow people to go on with their lives and get to a new normal in the future that's going to allow all of us to, to live amazing lives and realize the potential of our dreams. So with that, uh, let me turn it over to someone who is frankly you know, far more articulate than me, who's Julie, who's got some thoughts on the topic, and then we will we'll pass it to Brian, and, and then would love to hear from you, Francesco. Thank you so much, Ed, and so looking forward to the conversation. Surveillance, the word itself strikes fear to many Americans, evoking images of big brother gulags or repressive regimes. Surveillance goes against America's brand. Americans pride themselves on living in the land of the free, Referendums, laws, policies, and behaviors ranging from fringe groups to big tech all seem to measure themselves against a notion of freedom at any cost, or perhaps better said, freedom above all else, as in the live free or die model. It's a very Wild West cowboy riding alone on the range version of freedom. Freedom is a value or even one that most Americans hold dear. And for many of them, it means this kind of home on the range, spread out and do whatever you want to do kind of freedom. Freedom unfettered. 
This kind of freedom is the freedom to carry a semi-automatic rifle slung over one's shoulder into Walmart. After all, this country was founded against the backdrop of bombs bursting in midair. Violence or the threat of violence to maintain these freedoms is always the underlying threat. We want freedom to assemble when and where we want, saying what we want, doing what we want. As radio station Jack FM, which is syndicated on stations from Susanville, California to Grenville, South Carolina, puts it, they like to say, we're playing what we want. Freedom is as much a part of the fabric of America and Americana as apple pie, baseball, and those mountains of salty golden fries and double stacked cheeseburgers that a quarter of Americans eat three to four times a week. Freedom is that half-calf coconut milk latte at Starbucks with an extra pump of caramel. Americans have come to expect this kind of freedom, a customizable, personalized, on-demand world with 24-7 connectivity and convenience at the push of a button. Free to gather in online communities. Freedom to consume the news they want to hear, true or not. Freedom to reject the advice of our nation's doctors. In D.C. recently, there was a tape recording that said that the aim is to get the country back from the doctors. So it's within this framework that we're trying to get a hold of a pandemic raging across the nation, a biological war we seem to be losing. The United States now has the most cases of any nation worldwide, with currently a million more cases than the next closest contender, India. So how did we get here? We're number one, but not leading the world in perhaps the ways we've grown used to in innovation, for example. At this point, land of the free seems to mean freedom to go to packed private clubs, to spring break in Fort Lauderdale, to dorm room parties at the University of Miami, to fraternity parties at colleges across the nation to packed parties at TikTok influencer Bryce Hall's Sway House, which was shut down, by the way, by turning off their electricity and their water by Mayor Garcetti in Los Angeles to stop the parties. We want to be free to go to gender reveal parties and family dinners and all this kind of stuff. We're over it, some people are saying. A friend of mine texted me earlier tonight, in fact, and said, I can't take this COVID anymore. We're becoming victims of COVID fatigue. We're in it for the sprint and not for the marathon. Unfortunately, the virus isn't over us. After hundreds of thousands of people surged upon small town Sturgis, South Dakota for a motorcycle rally in August, cell phone analytics from Camber Systems, a company that aggregates cell phone activity for health researchers, found that 61% of the counties in the United States had been visited subsequently by someone who attended the motorcycle rally in Sturgis. This creates a web of possible contagion that rivals our major cities' international airports, for example. At this rate, Dr. Fauci was quoted saying that we might not be back to normal until 2022. Given this, we're having to rethink everything, living life one step forward, two steps back. Kentucky Fried Chicken, in fact, 
our most American of fast foods is even rethinking its brand under COVID. For the first time in 64 years, the company suspended its finger licking good tagline, deeming it the most inappropriate slogan for 2020 amid the coronavirus pandemic. Maybe we don't want to be free to lick fingers in a restaurant in 2020. So here we are anyway. COVID positive testing is spiking. 43% in South Dakota, 35% in Idaho, 32% in Wyoming, 28% in Wisconsin. The unbridled freedom some have enjoyed recently comes with a price, as freedom always does. This time, it's unbridled virus spread, apparently. So how do we get back on track here? One viable answer is we deploy health surveillance. But surveillance, for many, the immediate reaction to that word is no. Yet, could public health surveillance lead the way to actual freedom, to freedom from lockdowns, freedom from economic fallout as businesses close, either temporarily or permanently, freedom to be normal again somehow, to travel, to enjoy live music, to dine with friends and family. We seem to be late to the party in terms of contact tracing. Singapore launched its contact tracing app in March called Trace Together, and Switzerland launched theirs in May, and they seem to be working. I checked out the number of COVID cases in Singapore just out of curiosity yesterday. As of yesterday, they reported seven new cases, seven. We reported over 74,000. Still, getting a wide swath of people to adopt a contact tracing app for COVID is hard, even with these kinds of results and the benefits of no new cases as an outcome. Ireland, which has one of the best adoption rates in the world for their contact tracing app, still only has an adoption rate of 37%. Germany's contact app has been downloaded by around 20% of the citizens. Computer models show the epidemic could be controlled or even stopped if approximately 60% of the population would just use such an app. But 60% is a tough number to get to. Even fewer users, though, it's been shown, can be effective in lowering infection rates. So here we are. Surveillance, I would suggest, has a branding problem. When we hear of it, we think of Big Brother and a brave new world and the dark uses of surveillance. But what if we've got it all wrong? What if there are pro-social surveillance systems that help us to live healthier, happier lives, lives of prosperity, peace, and even, dare I say it, joy. Pursuing the kinds of leisure activities from days to Disneyland to Harley rallies, family picnics at the beach, to movies or concerts in small enclosed spaces, to dining inside somewhere, to first dates not on Zoom, to gathering in groups of people face-to-face where relationships are built. Perhaps for inspiration, we can look to another more widely accepted technology here, namely the Ring doorbell system. TikTok is replete with videos of cute kids using Ring to reach out to working parents, of thoughtful UPS drivers delivering packages, or funny parents stopping by to say hi to their kids on their daily walk. 
Ring has been happily integrated into many people's lives, marketed as a home security system that it purports to keep our possessions secure. Maybe we need a health security system, which consists of some kind of social element of health and contact tracing to keep our bodies and our health and our families secure. Gamified health, as it were. Maybe like the ring, it's about surveilling other people rather than thinking that we're surveilling ourselves. Whatever way we do it, it would seem countries that have taken an all hands on deck approach to COVID have fared better overall than the US. Hopefully we can find a way to come together to work harmoniously towards health and a bright future together for now and in preparation for future pandemics. So today we'll explore these ideas on today's Great Reset Salon podcast with our theme, privacy, surveillance, and health tracking. And with that, I'm gonna throw it over to Brian. Hey, thanks, Julie. Uh, I'm Brian Hayashi. Thanks so much for listening uh, into our podcast. I think one of the challenges that you have with contact tracing is that Americans being new to the whole idea of dealing with uh, novel virus outbreaks, we really haven't had contact tracing be a big part of our lives ever before. And so it's helpful to think about contact tracing, not as some sort of Orwellian 1984 kind of activity, but a little bit like old fashioned detective work. A contact tracer determines when a sick person, who they've been in contact with during their illness, and who those people in turn came into contact uh, earlier on. And so the idea is to track down and to identify potentially contagious individuals and isolate them to help stop the spread of the disease. So an average city in America, for example, Houston, had set up a budget of $26 million for contact tracers. So at 17 to $25 an hour, people would sign up, they would undergo some training, and then they would get on the phone and they would, when, when they found people that were uh, infected with uh, COVID, they would call up the people that they had been in contact with and then just notify them of this. And as of today, Houston spent about half of their budget. So they're really desperate for people to join in and, and to help with this process. Right now, we were looking at a million cases a day in December. So you have cities across the country that have a choice of either hiring more people to become contact tracers or to find some other solution. So with, I don't have a good idea on, what, on where to go with that. I would love to preserve our freedoms, but at the same time, simple spade work can save lives. So with that, uh, maybe let, I'm gonna pass the, the baton to the next person. Thanks, Brian. And uh, I, I just wanted to make a couple of quick comments that, uh, you know, living in a federalized uh, country like the United States, where, you know, where we grant a lot of authority to the states or a lot of discretion to decide how to handle pandemics has resulted in 50 separate experiments in pandemic response. And it's it is one of the downsides of having freedom where there's responsibility. We don't necessarily have a single mandate that's coming from the top. Uh, Americans are inherently suspicious of a large centralized government. And 
uh, Julie had brought up the concept of a ring doorbell, and uh, the only thing that came to mind was uh, the, yeah, you know, it's, it's, is that going to kill the tradition of uh, a lighted bag of uh, dog poo that you leave on somebody's door and ring the bell? I mean, it's, it's, these are, you know, these are, these are important questions. But back to the issue of being able to track a pandemic, these are digital technologies that have separated us from the cohesive, I would say, organizational or uh, societal structure where everybody knows everybody. And what makes it tough is to, you know, to track people when you don't know everybody and you're using these depersonalizing tools to track people. You know, how do we keep everybody safe? How do we define a social contract with a network of loosely coupled ideas, technologies, and modes of governance when nobody knows each other and people want to be free? So it's a it's a conundrum. Um, but with that, let me let me pass the the, uh, the baton to Francesco, and would love to get your thoughts on the topic. Well, hello, everyone. Now, the first thing I'm I'm European, so I have a slightly different view on freedoms and individual freedom. But like for us European, freedom comes with responsibility. Uh, freedom without if. If you have freedom but have no responsibility, you're probably three years old and you need nappies, right? That's that's not how we say it from uh, all over there in uh, the old continent. The thing about surveillance then, uh, surveillance is scary. Also, surveillance means that it's a Latin word. It it means to watch over someone. And it's not something a person I like because I really like my privacy. I don't want anyone to, to watch over me. And so I looked into into the problem. How can we do, uh, can we combat the virus from the technological point of view? Because I'm, I'm a nerd, so that's what I do. But we still preserve our privacy and our individual freedoms to a certain extent. As so I looked into these APIs and these these ways of doing what the, what you just mentioned is contract contact tracing, but with the help of all the technology that we that we have as in our society now. So here's the thing. Here's what I found out, which is very interesting. There's first there's a branding problem around because you guys talked about contact tracing and surveillance. Well, what if I tell you that you don't need to do contact tracing, you don't need to trace contacts, and you don't need to surveil absolutely anyone to be able to deploy technology to combat the virus and to find who has, has been exposed to the virus? What if I tell you that? And the reason why I'm telling you that is because I would like to rebrand contact tracing into exposure notification. Does it make more sense? So... This technology that we're going to talk about now doesn't trace your contacts, doesn't know who you are, and doesn't know who you meet, where you meet, when, when you meet them. I wouldn't install anything on my phone that knows who I'm talking to. That said, my phone knows who I'm talking to, and everyone who can access my phone knows what I'm who I'm talking to. That, that's not that's a different problem. But I wouldn't install something else that does it on top, right? That's a good point. <laughs> yeah, unfortunately. 
So the, the way the technology works is it answers to one fundamental question. Have you met in the last 15 days someone who was positive to COVID? Yes or no? That's basically the question, and the answer is yes or no. There's no other answer to this question that is given by this technology that, we, that we're talking about, by all these contact tracing apps that shouldn't be called contact tracing. And that's like, if I would, if anyone listening to me now comes out of this with something is this concept. The only question that is going to be answered by this technology is, have you met in the last 15 days someone who was positive with COVID? Yes or no? That's it. There's no location in there. There's no time. Nobody knows who you met. Again, well. And nobody will know it and nobody will access this information because this information is not even in the, in the phone in the first place. And then I can nerd out from here on and start talking about how it works as much as I like. So Francesco, let me ask you, uh, you know, what would be the kind of the minimum requirement to be able to deliver that information to people? I, I know the most recent up, update to iOS had incorporated some mandatory COVID tracking capabilities. And, you know, and, and it sounds like what you're, you know, what, you, what you're arguing, what you're proposing for is a, it was very simple. It's binary. Do I, you know, is, is am I positively traced or not? I mean, how, what would, what sort of opt-in would you need? And is there, is, is there a trusted intermediary or maybe another approach like an open source approach or decentralized approach, for instance, that we might be able, that might emerge to, you know, to be able to address this type of problem? Uh, the first thing is not mandatory. It's opt-in. You have to opt-in both on iOS and Android. So the, the code is in there, but it's not enabled. You have to manually go somewhere and say, okay, I enable this function. And then it starts sending out these beacons, this information as a, like these hashes around and talk to other phones. But it's, it's not mandatory. And it's the latest update to iOS, the latest update to Android, if I remember correctly. They, they all have this code, and you enable it, and it starts talking to other, to other phones. And about the centralized and the decentralized. So, mm, the, the API is public. Code, uh, the code is not, the code is not, but the API is public. So anyone can go, can go there and look at the API and send information to both Apple and Google and right. talk to them and say whatever they need to think is not implemented well or not uh, spec'd out well. The API doesn't mandate a central server as such. And there's all, you can go and read also all the technical documentation and the technical specification in no place is mandated that the server has to be central somewhere or it has to be somewhere. In fact, what the specifications mandate is how these servers talk together. So you can implement your, theoretically, your own server and then implement how it talks to each other 
and it will send all this information back and forth to other servers. It's not really a decentralized blockchain thing. Brian should get very happy because I mentioned blockchain. And <laughs> it's not that, but it's not like a servant in a government building that has all the, your information. That's not that at all. In fact, the server doesn't have any information. The only information that the server has is a list of hash codes of all the people that resulted positive in the last 15 days. From the hash code itself, from the hash code itself, you cannot get back to the, per to the person you don't know the name, you don't know the phone, nobody knows the phone, nobody can know the phone from the ash code. The ash code does not contain this information. The ash code only means, only says there is a person that I can, that has this ash code and no other person in the world has it, that has, that has been positive, that is positive, that has resulted positive in the last 15 days to COVID. And then you download this ash code, you look at your phone, ash codes, and match and say, okay, I probably met someone who is positive but you don't know who it is, you don't know when. I think one of the challenges is uh, getting people to opt in, right? And, and this, you know, this is not a technology problem, but who becomes the advocate to say, this is a, this is a system that, that, that works, please opt in. If it's the government, there's always, I guess here in the US, there's an inherent mistrust and, and many, if not most other countries, people have a, uh, suspicion of, of giving over too much power to their governments. Of course, the private sector, same same deal, right? I mean, you don't want to necessarily give over. Uh, you know, people do it all the time, right? We click all these uh, uh, user agreements with, without even thinking so much to, to private companies. But again, a private company, there's uh, there's always going to be a bit of uh, reservation about do you know do you want to trust them? What are their motives? And then there are these sort of nonprofit groups or non-affiliated groups. And I think somewhere there's there's got to be a happy medium where there's there is a you know at least a a reassurance because people who understand computer science and what you just described, the hash function, right? If you understand a, a hash function, how many people understand what a hash function is? I mean, I'm certainly fine with that. It doesn't bother me, but I, I, I know what it, what's involved with that. But to try to explain that to, uh, to you know, grandmother who is trying to figure out her first phone and just wants to make sure that she's safe, you know, I'd be interested in, in for the rest of the group and in, in, in some thoughts that how we might, uh, it, you know, how, how we could get a greater degree of, of trust for, you know, for, for some systems and, and who might be the appropriate medium to communicate that. Yeah, there are, uh, so there are so many reasons why I would say, please use the app. I will start from the most annoying one. So we take that out, out of the way. If you're worried about being tracked and being surveilled and you want the freedom to go wherever you want without any, without the government knowing it, well, turn off your phone and take the battery off. That if you have a phone, they know where you are. That's it. So you don't need a con they don't need a contact tracing app to know where you are. Just, just, just do it. We take that out of the way right now, Julie. That's a good point. So if that's your worry, 
Well, the fact that you have a phone is already a huge problem. They don't need a contact. They don't need to make install a contact tracing app. Now, why do you want to install the contact tracing app knowing that they are already uh, surveilling you? Well, I have two, three main reasons for you. The first one is, please, I want to leave my home. I'm tired of staying at home to not get COVID. Really, please. Honestly, just like I want to leave. Well, look at that. That's the best, no, I'll rephrase it. That's not the best way. It's one of the ways that we can defeat this virus and we can all go around and, and live our normal lives because that's that's the, the end goal is we want to live a normal house. I do not want to stay at home at all. So that's the first reason why please install the contact tracing app. It's not contract trace, it's not exposure notification. I, I have to rebrand it myself too. But that's a very good reason for that. The more people use it, the quicker we can go back to living a normal life. If you don't think there is a virus that, that kills people, well, there's nothing I can tell you there, so I'm, I'm not even going to consider the possibility. The second good reason is, well, the virus is a security threat for the country. So if you are patriotic, and if you love your country, and if you love your countrymen, install that help because it's a very good way to defeat a security, an almost existential threat to the security of your country. If you are patriotic, you install the app and you wear a mask. If you're not patriotic, you do whatever you want. So that's, I don't even care about that. The third very, very good reason is if you love people around you and you don't want to kill your grandmother, please install a contact tracing app because if the contact tracing app tells you that you having, you've met someone who has been exposed to COVID, you don't want to go and visit your grandma and your parents in general. It's a, it's a good idea not to do it because you might kill them. And unfortunately, I don't have my grandparents anymore, unfortunately, but if I had my grandparents, I, I would not want to kill them personally. I don't know about you. So these are like, just say two reasons or only, or, or three. Yeah, well, the first reason is they already know where you are. Two and a half for sure. No, I, and I think that those are compelling reasons to join. You know, it's it's sense it's asking people to join a, you know, this this social contract. Um, so we're gonna be running up against time shortly. So I want to be conscious and see if uh, Brian or Julie have a comment or a question here. I really like the way you frame that as a patriotic act, Francesco. Uh, we did work around um, energy conservation apps. And so I know how hard it is to move. A lot of engineers think, oh, that's the easy part, the social part, the adoption part, but actually it's very difficult. So, you know, the idea of thinking of it as exposure notification and the idea of, you know, protecting your family from an existential threat, I think are, are some great motivators for people to to move on this. And so thanks for giving us a little enlightened look about how this really works and what we should and shouldn't be concerned about. Okay. Uh, you know, uh, Francesco, people in the United States love football and people don't like to, to talk about this, but within the NFL, you have a very young uh, athlete named Raquel Armstead that is quickly becoming the poster child for young athletes that get COVID and, and suffer severe consequences. Ouch, I'm sorry. And yeah, it's, it's a terrible situation. 
um, it started off very simply and, and he's been having to be, be re-hospitalized for complications from COVID. And it occurs to me that uh, the NFL might be a good place to go for uh, public service announcements, PSAs, to talk about this. But, but the ability of a celebrity to do something that uh, maybe Fauci couldn't uh, or politicians can't, which is put a celebrity face on this. I'm just kind of surprised that, that there haven't been celebrity PSAs to do contact tracing. If, um, if, if something like this were, were to be pursued, w- would we be able to get like, um, to, to help convince them, would we be able to, to get, you know, what do you think would be involved in, in, in putting something like that together? Ooh, I'm not a huge marketing expert to be fair. <laughs> Well, I don't know much about marketing. I I believe that having, I don't know why having celebrities telling you that you shouldn't kill your grandma is has to be a good idea. Should, but if it's a good idea, please do it. We actually talked about that with the um, some of the energy conservations teaming up because people have an emotional connection to their teams. I mean, Francesco, you know how it is in, in Italy with Lazio and all the football clubs. Like that's like a you know a huge passion. So they're kind of like influencers. And we just saw that with baseball. You know, one of the fellows tested positive for COVID in, in our national championship. And so uh, you know, Brian's idea, I think, is is spot on there yeah. in terms of just being a, a kind of influencer people can relate to. Agreed. Well, I, I think we're we're coming up on 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 the end of our time here, and I I would like to just sum up that uh, ultimately the uh, you know the way out here is that there are technologies that are safe that are, that do preserve privacy that would allow for you know those that don't want to spread a positive COVID test, you know, people don't want to, they don't want to kill their grandmothers. Uh, we, yeah, we get away from private sector government figures who may have, you know, certain, you know, certain compromises or reasons why people wouldn't trust them and find uh, those that can relate. I mean, if, hey, for me, if it was a, a, a jazz musician told me, hey, man, I got this, you know, I got this, it's bad, do your part. We don't want, we don't want to lose the legends uh, we don't want to lose our family. Let's just do our part here and we'll get back to doing the things that are important to us, which is interacting with our and relating and, and coming together with our, our family, our friends, our coworkers, our community, you know, the people that, you know, that we work with, that we play with and, you know, that serve every role in society. I think we have, you know, enormous amount of opportunity ahead and what one of the, the small advantages and of tech, the technologies that we're using is it allows us to connect in uh, in forums like this and Francesco I'd like to thank you you know sincerely for taking your time to to share it with us it's always a pleasure to to hear your thoughts and and uh, you've got such a such a positive and uh, you know, deeply informed perspective and and I think it's it's helpful we'd like to see more I wish everybody Thanks. thought like you did well uh, so, slow down there. <laughs> <laughs> Any thoughts as well? We'll we, we'd like to wrap it up. Wrap up the uh, the Great Recess Salon podcast, which we're very thrilled to be bringing to a, a, a wider audience. Thank you so much, Francesco. That was really uh, eye opening, and I I hope uh, 
everyone will really think about their actions going forward uh, in their families. Thank you so much for being here. Thanks, everyone. You're too kind. Francesco, thanks. I love exposure notification because we don't want to kill grandma. <laughs> oh, yeah, totally. And then your patriotic duty, don't forget. Back to first principles. So uh, signing off from the Great Reset podcast, please feel free to contact us and with further contacts and questions. And we look forward to continuing our conversations.